Are you checking your blood sugar? My insulin pump just, well, it expired this morning, so I was just putting it back on. But I can stop for a second. No, don't stop. You're fine. It's a podcast about type 1 diabetes. If we can't let somebody put on an insulin pump during this, I don't know where in the world you'd be able to do it. <laughs> this right? is the absolute place to do it. So uh, talk me through what's going on while it happened. So your pump just expired? It, it just aged out? Well, it expired early this morning. I was half asleep and then I didn't even realize it, but I took off my pump, like off my body. Mm -hmm. I woke up and I, it was on my nightstand. So somehow in the middle of the night, cause sometimes it'll just expire and I turn off the PDM, Okay. but I actually like ripped it off my body last night and it was like, I'm sick of this. Yeah. <laughs> so so got, now wait, you did this in your sleep? Yeah, I'm I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start over. How are we going to refer to you? So, since we're recording already. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'm Adriana, and I live in good old Utah, and I've been diabetic for only six years. So I was I was 18 when I got diagnosed. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 428 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today, proving that, in fact, the Juicebox Podcast is the number one type 1 diabetes podcast in Utah, another guest from the great state of Utah. And she's got a great story, too. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. You know, I've never been to Utah. I might have to go. I think I would be treated like a, um, I don't know exactly, but I feel like there would be like a red carpet and someone would bring flowers to the airport. Oh, Utah, I love you. And I have no idea why so many people from your state listen to this show. I'm going to figure it out one day. Does Adriana have the answer? Maybe. Anyway, I really wanted to call this episode Utah Adriana, but I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. Today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. They're an amazing organization doing incredible work for people living with type 1 diabetes, and you should check them out. They're on Instagram and Facebook, and of course, at touchedbytype1.org. The episode is also sponsored by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. If you're using insulin, you need to see what your blood sugar is doing. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. You'll be able to find out more. And of course, to get that free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump, all you have to do is go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. All right, let's get away from the diabetes for a second. Have you committed any major crimes in your sleep? Um, <laughs> anything like that? No. There's no bank robber no. being looked for in your town and no one can figure <laughs> it out, but you have a Lamborghini and you're not sure how you got it either. Nothing like that's happening. <laughs> no, okay. no, not that I know of. So 
Well, that's interesting. So, so tell me something. You weren't wearing a pump for a while. Did your blood sugar go up significantly? Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely woke up. I I'll wake up when my blood sugar gets pretty high too. And um, obviously, the good morning. Um, you know, you have to go to use the restroom. Or I, if I wake up thirsty, I'm like, oh no, where's my <laughs> blood sugar at? And um, and then I have Dexcom as well, and so that beeps at me, but. My husband usually is more diligent at saying, hey, your sugar's high. Hey, because he follows me on Dexcom and he's like, you probably should put on a new pump. But um, but yeah, so right, maybe not my best night as a diabetic, but... We're going to get know. into why you're uh, haphazard with your hair later. <laughs> but you just said your husband... And you've had diabetes for six years, and you were diagnosed when you were 18. And so any, and I mean any knowledgeable listener of the podcast has just said to themselves, oh my God, there's another Mormon on the podcast, right? Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. How is yeah. it? I ask everyone, everyone that comes on who ends up being a Mormon, uh, because I, I don't double check on your your religious beliefs before you come on the show. Why in the... <laughs> Hell, is this podcast so popular in the Mormon community? You need to tell me. Somebody's eventually going to tell me. They knew, like, am I on a message board somewhere? Or, <laughs> um, you know, I actually heard of your podcast when I, um, so here's maybe another stereotype. I'm Mormon. I'm, um, and I already have a kid, just one. Just but... one, please. You're not even Mormon. <laughs> you have one kid. You need like six. <laughs> but, um, I was at uh, an ultrasound for for when I was pregnant, mm-hmm. and the radiology tech told me, you know, found out I was type one, and because I was in the fetal medicine, and um, she said, "Oh, you got to listen to this." So it was really just word of mouth that I heard because I've never heard of your podcast before, um, and at that point, I had been diabetic for maybe four years. Okay. Was she part of the church? I don't know. I didn't ask her. You have to find out for me. But. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying like hang up and call, but at some point in your life, if you could just like you're driving by and you're like, that's the place I got my ultrasound. Let me just duck in real quick and check. You know, you could probably just check her underwear to see. And then you'd be able to figure it out. Right. And tell me because I'm dying to know. Like, listen, honestly, okay. as I joke about this. There's been like 350 episodes of the podcast. I believe like maybe eight guests have, you know, have been from the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints somehow. But and I'm sure I've probably had on 7000 Catholics and I don't realize it or anything like that. It's just such a it's interesting mm-hmm. because Utah's um a more I, I know not every Mormon lives in Utah, but I'm just going to make a lot of generalizations that you can just correct me on at any point <laughs> if you want. But it's not a densely populated place. And so like it it stands to reason that somehow the podcast is being passed about within mm-hmm. there. And I'm just, I'm trying to find out how. And so I ask everyone, you didn't help me. It's fine. Um, we'll figure it out. Well, <laughs> well, let me tell you this. I think, um, especially maybe it's not even religious, but it's just more the Utah culture okay. is that we, that really we do try to help each other out, you know, mm-hmm just neighbors being neighbors and helping each other out and really just, we want that supporting 
I know there's, I'm already a part of multiple Facebook groups that are just a part of Utah um, for type one. And, and so it's and any, and I think maybe this isn't just Utah too, but any diabetic I meet, I'm like, oh, we're automatically best friends. And we start talking about, you know, just the typical day-to-day things because we can relate. Um, And I think that's maybe why is that we get to hear perspectives and say, because when I was first listening to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, I get that. I understand. It's like, I can relate. And even though I can talk to my husband about this and he lives it day-to-day with me, but it's just different hearing it from somebody else. No, I, I understand that. And so you you feel like maybe you just happen to live in a community that that prizes the idea of personal interactions and sharing what works with one person with another person. Just that kind of an idea. Yeah, yeah that's, that's excellent. All that right. would be my best guess. Listen, you, I have to be honest with you. That is so far, thusly, the best interpretation of why it is. <laughs> Most people are just like, what? I don't know. But you actually had like a thought. All right, that makes this interesting. Okay, good. Um, diagnosed at eighteen, you I, and I'm. I know this is grow grew up in the religion or married into it. Um, I grew up, but I almost kind of hate saying that too because then people think, oh, you're like a blind follower. But I grew up, but of course, I had my teenage years and you know rebellion and stuff, and I. I've found the church for myself to be true. Cool. All right. I was just wondering how, like, at what age do you start, you know, talking to your uterus and being like, listen, it's going to be you and me. It's going to be tough <laughs> at times. We're going to ask a lot of you. Um, you're probably not going to be worth crap by the time I'm done with you, just so you know. And uh, But we're going to get our mileage out of you, and you are really, really going to do your work here. I didn't know if you had personal conversations with it or not. I would. I'd be like, listen, we got business. And, and I don't know. Uh, so, but... Do you have that? Like, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Um, I just have one younger brother. You ruining my. I am trying to set up a narrative here, damn it! And you are just ruining it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm I'm totally joking. <laughs> anyway, no worries. We've I, go- I totally get it. We've gone way too far into prognosticating that your uterus is going to get beat up. So, um, let's just keep moving on. Uh, what What is your uh? How old's your baby? How What's her name? So I have a little boy, his name's Owen, and he's about 16 months. And so he is walking and not quite using all of his words, but he's jabbering away all the time. And um, it's just, it's awesome. I I really love this age because I can actually like play with him now. Mm -hmm. You know, he can walk around and everything's exciting. And it's just, he's seeing the world for the first time. And it's it's really fun. I agree. I completely agree. And it is a terrific, it is an absolutely terrific age. Um, you know, in the beginning, they're just sort of like their furniture, you move around and it poops. Like, so then, you know, eventually mm-hmm. they, you start like, oh, look, it's doing something. And then they move and then they have their personality start to develop. It's a wonderful time. You get to stay with him, Owen, all day? No, I actually, so I work as a medical assistant. I work in a family practice clinic and um, but I only work three days a week. Um, That's nice. And so, yeah, so it's not too bad. I, I feel like, and I've been working for about a year or so and um, after maternity leave. And um, it's it seems like the perfect kind of balance, you know, three days at work and then I get four days at home. And so it, it works out that way. 
Excellent. No, that's great. I'm I'm happy for you. I really am. And so I hear us. We're filling the pod and getting everything going again. Where did your blood sugar? Do you have a feeling for how long you were without insulin? Um. Yeah, I think I was probably maybe three hours or so. Um. What do you think your blood sugar got to? Oh, I I know because I checked my Dexcom and I was up in like the three thirties or something, and so that's definitely a little too high for me. Yeah. Um. But well, let, let me let me find out a little bit about how you like manage, like what it is that you feel like your goals are and how important they are to like you know what I mean. Like everybody has a different focus for their desires about their diabetes. So, um, mm-hmm. what do you what do you aim for? Like, what's your goal day to day? Um, well, cause you can set your own ranges on the Dexcom. I, I have mine between 70 and 150 usually. Mm-hmm. So I was like double where I want to be mainly cause you know, as Owen's getting older, we are like thinking about starting to have more and, and so I want to bring my sugars back down so I can have that, that good control before I get pregnant again. Right. But after I had Owen, I was like, because during pregnancy, hormones just make it crazy, mm-hmm. um, make your blood sugar crazy. And so it, after I had him, I was like, oh, it's just me. I'm not taking care of somebody else inside of me. And so I kind of let go for a while. And so the last like couple months, I'm like, okay, let's bring it back in and get that tight control again. Uh, Jenny Smith and I just recorded yesterday a pro tip about a pro tip episode about pregnancy. And that was one Mm -hmm. of the things we spoke about is that after you have the baby and all the things that can come with that, you could have postpartum, you could just be tired. You could just be busy. The kid might not sleep, you know, all this stuff. And what's the easiest thing to cut away when you're looking for time. And it often ends up being yourself, which is, you know, of course, terrible on any level, but when it's around your diabetes, it's, I guess it's a little worse, honestly. Um, so you you were just like, all right, I'm going to pull this back together. What are the first steps in pulling it back together? Um, well, mainly um, me and my husband try to eat pretty healthy, so we try to we try to really meal prep better and um, just focus on what we're eating. And I actually have a friend who is a registered dietitian, and so I was getting consults from her as well, and. And really trying to set those alarms so I check my blood sugar, you know, or give insulin before meals because oftentimes I'm ready to eat and I'm like, oh, I didn't give it bolus any before. And but um, or there's even been times because at work it can be so, so busy that I actually I actually forgot to give insulin before I even ate. And so I had my meal and I was back at my desk and, and I'm like, oh. I got my alarm that my my sugar was going up. I'm like, oh well, need to get some insulin in me now. But um, where where does this usually lead you to for like long term results? Do you have a Do you know where your A one Cs usually sit? Would you be willing to share? Um yeah um I'm due again for my A one C, but like three months ago I was six point eight. Mm. Excellent. So that's wonderful. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it there, but still, I'd like to see it a little lower. I hear you, but you know, it's still 
it's very respectable at the at the you know at, at the very least. And you, yeah. you're talking about healthier foods, and there's a difference between healthy, whatever the, that ends up meaning, and impactful on your blood sugar, which is is um <laughs> sometimes people get confused about. I think they're like, I don't understand what's going on. I eat this very healthy thing. It doesn't mean it doesn't have you know, an impact on your mm-hmm. blood sugar. So are you, did you go lower carb or are you, did you cut out junk or like, what was the, like when you looked at um, the kitchen, you were like, one thing needs to leave here. What was it? Uh, it was more, I have a very sweet tooth and I maybe say too many jokes about that, that, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm diabetic. So of course I'm sweet and I need to eat that cookie or something. But, um, but yeah, it, it was mainly kind of cutting out junk. Um, you know, of course, I don't need as many sweets that, as I want during the day. And um, but yeah, a lot of the health, like um, the nurse practitioner that I work for, she recommends um, the Mediterranean Mediterranean diet, mm-hmm. and um, of course, that's a lot of carbs because they try to cut out meat or that not protein, but more animal based meats. Um, and so a lot of those, yeah, a lot of those plants have carbs in them and yeah. And everything that falls into that. Well, I have to say that I think if you know how to use your insulin, you could do that easily. That's not a problem. I mean, you're a one C six, eight, so it's not like you're not lost. You're doing great. Um, and -hmm. I don't know that, you know, you know, if somebody wanted to be low carb, I don't, I don't see a problem with that either. And even if I did see a problem with it, I don't think I would say, I think it's everyone's business to to eat the way they want to eat. But mm-hmm. you're, you're, you, you've already touched on the things that really make a difference are the things that are sort of, you know, nebulous. It's the remembering to pre-bolus or not getting busy mm-hmm. at work and that and it happens to everybody. Like I don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone who doesn't just one day grab their food, sit down, and go, "Oh, you know what? I have diabetes. I should have." Or my kids got. I forgot about that. You know, it just happens. Mm-hmm. It really does. And one day yeah. you're gonna have 23 kids, and it's gonna be harder to remember. So we have to find a system <laughs> for you um, that's gonna help. And but but you really are interesting because you're two people to me. You're. you're you know, a, an adult married person with a child, and you're still also just in your mid twenties. And I remember myself in my mid twenties, and uh, I mean, I had a kid too, but I was pretty much an idiot. You, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was doing yet. I actually was lamenting the other day. I'm 48. I don't even 100 percent know if I've grown up yet. To be perfectly honest, like I think I might be a man in like seven more years. Is what I'm hoping for. You know. My father-in-law says, if you don't grow up by the time you're 50, you don't have to. So, Oh, really? You got a couple more years. Yeah. <laughs> so in two more years, I can just let this whole thing go, you're saying? What do you think? He, <laughs> well, what do you think he means by that? Like people have accepted you now and they're not looking for real growth from you or it, it's working. Uh, so don't maybe, worry about it. Maybe I'll leave the interpretation up to him. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving it up to me. I'm but. saying these people are stuck with me. They've stuck with me this long. They're not going to bail now. Like, do you think that's right? it? I'm going to look up divorce <laughs> rates after 50 for first marriages. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe people are just like, uh, too much trouble to move the desk. I'm staying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 So, so tell yeah, me, but- I was going to say, can you tell me a little bit about your diagnosis at 18? Were you just out of high school or were you still in? 
Yeah. Um, I was in my first year of college. Um, and I, you know, college food is super great. Just top ramen, peanut butter and jelly, lots of carbs. And, um, I moved down to Southern Utah. Um, and so it was really hot and I was drinking water all the time. And I just thought it was because I was in a new place. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, the interesting thing is I didn't lose a significant amount of weight. Um, at least that I noticed, you know, I wasn't in the hospital crazy. Um, I came home, um, and I decided that I was going to serve a mission for, you know, the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. And so you have to do like a, we call it a mission physical, um, but it's just a physical with your doctor and they found sugar in my urine. Um, and they, they thought that I was type two at the time and I have working in a medical clinic. I, I don't know what was going on, what they were thinking. Um, because now that I know and where I help other patients and things. I'm like, well, why didn't anyone second guess this? Cause they thought I was type two and put me on metformin for a, a little over a year and my sugars just weren't getting any better. And I got, they told me I was diagnosed with mono at one point. Um, but I think I was going into more of DKA mm. that and, um, finally I got a second opinion and he did the antibody test for me and been type one ever since. Yeah. It's so surprising, isn't it? Because metformin should impact a person with type two more quickly than a year. Like it shouldn't take someone a year to go, huh, this still isn't working. It it, it really, mm-hmm. it just, it, it shouldn't. And that's sucks. And, and it even goes to show a person like yourself who works in the situation that you do can still be moved by what the doctor's telling you, like, I mean, why would you have, even if you kind of doubted it in your heart, you, you can't, it's hard to break away, right? From the doctor telling you, Hey, you have type two diabetes. Like, why would you disbelieve that? I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. and and what happened, what happened at the end of that year that made somebody go like, this isn't working. What was the next step to figuring out you were type one? Well, so that second opinion I got, my primary care who diagnosed me as type two ended up moving away. And, um, so I had to go, I was, you know, basically forced to go to a new physician, which I didn't mind. Um, and he was just looking at all of my symptoms and my history. And he's like, this doesn't add up mm. um, because I wasn't working. I was still going to school and getting into my program at that point. And so I wasn't a good enough ad- advocate for myself either, simply because I wasn't aware. Um, but thankfully this new physician second guessed it and said, we need to do more blood work and was surprised that we didn't do the antibody test right off the bat either. But, um, but yeah, so how did it feel at 18 to be told you had type two diabetes? Was it in your family? Like did that, was it not surprising? Were you like, Oh, that makes sense. Everybody has type two in my family or how did that? No. No, um, no one on either side of my family has diabetes. Um, later when I was diagnosed type one, then we found out that my grandpa had pancreatic cancer, which of course has, you know, red flags in the back of my mind, but, um, 
but no one has type one or type two diabetes on either side of my family. And so it was just strange. And, um, and I, I didn't eat super well in college cause I don't feel like maybe anyone does, especially freshman year. But, um, so I was like, okay, I thought maybe, okay, it's just diet. I can do this. I can change. But as I was learning more about diabetes too, in my health classes, I'm like, something's, something's not right. And so thankfully between that and the doctor, we were, were able to, but it just, it was hard. Hmm. Um, especially poking, I didn't know about Dexcom and, um, I was poking my fingers all the time and, um, it was just, it was hard. Well, I think since Adriana is talking about Dexcom, we should just jump right into the advertisement for them. If you're using insulin, your blood sugar may vacillate. It might go up and down and feel at times like there's just no rhyme or reason for it. But when you use a Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor, you can begin to see trends. You can begin to understand how different foods and insulin impacts your blood sugar. And then you can make adjustments to stop those impacts from being, well, so impactful on your life. I wish I had something more clever to say than that, but you start to learn when to use the insulin, how much you need, what foods impact your blood sugars, and from there, things just sort of open up. Dexcom offers alarms, alerts, beeping. You call it what you will, but you get to decide where it happens. My daughters are at 70 and 120. We get a, an alarm when my daughter goes below 70 and when she goes above 120. You can set your own range and make your own decisions. Dexcom gives you that kind of freedom. And you can share, if you'd like, your blood sugars with up to 10 followers. And this is on Android or iPhone. You really, really, really have to check it out. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. The information that we get back from Arden's Dexcom G6 is at the core of every decision that gets made about type 1 diabetes. My daughter's A1C has been between 5, 2, and 6 for over 6 years. And while those are, you know, the results that we have and yours may vary, I really think that the information you get back is valuable when you're using a Dexcom. And as a statement of fact, I really don't think we could have those results, especially with no diet restrictions, without the Dexcom G6. The Omnipod tubeless insulin pump is just that, an insulin pump without tubing. The Omnipod has nothing for you to get caught on a dresser drawer handle, a doorknob, and you know, you don't have to take it off to go swimming or take a shower. So you're always getting that basal insulin that you need. The Omnipod is discreet and easy to place in ways that won't be so obvious to others. But at the same time, if you don't care if someone sees your insulin pump, you can wear it loud and proud. It really is up to you. My daughter has been wearing an Omnipod since she was four years old and she is 16 now. She's been wearing one every day for all of those years. And Omnipod has been a true friend through this journey with type 1 diabetes. The best part about Omnipod is that they offer a free, no obligation demo, which means you don't really have to 
you know, even believe me if you don't want to. All you have to do is go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box and Omnipod will send you out a demo. You can try it on it and wear it and see what you think for yourself. In the end, they want you to make a decision that is best for you. If you get that demo and you don't like it, it's okay. But if you love it, it's super simple to keep going with the process and get yourself an Omnipod just like Arden's. So check out Dexcom at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Get that Omnipod no obligation demo at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And of course, don't forget to check out Touched by Type 1 at touchedbytype1.org and find them on Instagram and Facebook. All right, there's a lot more to come with Adriana. Let's get back to it. I mean, it would be bad enough at 18 to be told you have type 1 diabetes, but to have something that I think people generally think of as being an older person's issue, right? I know it's not the case, but still, it would feel like that in the moment. You know, like, wow, this isn't like this doesn't happen to 18 year old people. And um, I just can imagine that being just difficult to understand and really confusing. How did your parents do? Like, like, was it just one of those things where you're like, all right, well, she has this and they gave her pills and they made sure you took them? Or was there like, like, was there a lot of conversation around it? How did it, how did that work in that first year? More, my dad was in the hospital quite a bit. So that he was kind of my motivator to become, um, have my career be in medical. And, um, so, and I was 18, I was going to college. I had moved out. I, I was an adult at that point. And so, my parents were there to support me and love me and help me in any way they could, but it was, it was kind of my, you know, trial and my thing to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they wouldn't say, did you take your pill today? Or, you know, did, have you checked your sugar? But, um, they were there if I ever needed something or if I had questions and I could come to them. But, um, were you away at school or were you living at home and commuting? Um, no. So I live in Northern Utah. So it's, it's a six hour drive down to the school that I went to. Gotcha. Okay. So they weren't even, yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, that makes sense. Your dad had like chronic issues that stuff he was dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. So he has had his own chronic issues and, um, and yeah, so they, of course, just like any mom, I, you know, I'd call her and talk to her and she would ask how I'm doing and, but eventually that summer, um, so I got diagnosed like in December, but I went back to school for the rest of the spring and came back in the summer. And, um, and so they were maybe a little bit more helpful, like to remind me, say, Oh, well, did you check your sugar? But, um, but really it was all up on me. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, it's it's a unfortunate moment right? Like, right. As, like you're in college, you're just not home anymore. Like even a year and a half sooner, you would have been around them more often. Who knows what they would have seen? You, you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you, you'll know now and you probably have figured it out over the last 16 months, but you're really paying attention to your kids when you're a parent, you're like, Oh, something changed or, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that going on, but I understand. Yeah. Well, I, and it, I mean, it worked out right in a year. So when you find out that you're type one, how does that change things for you? Was it a relief? Or I feel like it's hard to say it's a relief because 
you know, everything you read on type one, there's, there's no cure, you know, you're, you right. have to have it for the rest of your life. But type two, I was like, okay, I can fix this. I can get better. And then I was told I'm type one and it was. Felt like something you couldn't fix anymore. Yeah. I, I couldn't fix it. And, um, but it, it didn't get me down. I was like, okay, I can deal with this. We, and by that point, I actually had already married my husband, Chris. And um, so I was married. And then just a couple months later, they diagnosed me as type one, which then brought on a whole lot of other emotions. Like I felt almost kind of guilty for Chris because then there's this huge financial thing with insulin and insulin pumps and doctor appointments and and I'm like, oh, you didn't get to really know about this. Mm. You just, you know, it just happened. But of course, he's been my my best supporter through all of it. And he he's been amazing. But for me to bring that, it, you know, I it makes me feel a little guilty. Yeah. Yeah. It's so you feel like you feel like you brought a, an extra burden onto an early relationship. Is that it? Yeah, 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 that's exactly. Well, I mean, I couldn't, it'd be hard to disagree with how you feel. I, I could see feeling the same way, and I've heard and talked to a lot of people who feel that way. I mean, the only thing I could say is that, you know, if, if he doesn't feel that way, and you guys are discussing it and, and you know, in it together, it's it's not going to be, a, a, you know, a burden. It'll just be, mm-hmm. it'll just be another thing. Like, you know, yeah. call a... Call diabetes. Somebody, Jenny, told me the other day she thinks of diabetes as a toddler that just that never grows up. Maybe it'll just be that, like something you always kind of have to fuss with a little bit and needs help and can't quite take care of itself, etc. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Yeah. Well, have you ever asked him? Is he does he feel burdened by it? Does he feel burdened by it? I've asked him before and he's like, well, it's, it's just what it is. And if it wasn't diabetes, then we would most likely have something else to have to work through because marriage isn't easy and, but it's something to work through. And, to, and so I, I just really locked out. Yeah. He sounds he, like a good guy. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he himself is going into school for nutrition too. So he helps me out that way. And, um, it's, it was just kind of great, um, that I found him. Yeah. Well, good for you. Did you, did you meet him in, in high school or college? <laughs> no. Um, I actually, I actually met him online. Um, I met him through a dating app and, um, funny enough, his brother-in-law met his wife through the same dating app too. And, um, Please tell me there's a Mormon dating app that the rest of us aren't aware of. There actually is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't meet on that one. I would have used that one, but... Um, I know J-Date. No. Does J-Date still... I, I'm asking you like you would know. That was That's for Jewish signals. I wonder if that still exists. I'm looking it up as I... Uh, J- <laughs> yeah, J-Date still exists. J-Date.com. Okay. So, it, yeah. you know, that makes sense. So you, you met him. All right. What grabs you first when you're meeting somebody like that 
is it a photo or something they said? And then what do you do next? Do you like text or call? How does that all work? I'm very old. So none of this will make sense to me, but explain it to me anyway. <laughs> yeah. So there's, um, you know, obviously there's a profile picture and, but then like, kind of like Instagram, you can kind of look through a couple and, um, then usually there's a short little profile and they can say whatever they want there. And, um, but the interesting thing that caught me to Chris is that because most of these guys are like, like muscle pictures and, you know, trying to show off. And Chris had a quote, um, an inspirational quote as his first picture. And I thought, oh my gosh, who's this weirdie? And, and then we just started talking. And of course he had a picture of himself later, but he made a, a point to have like an inspirational quote first. And, um, And as we continued to talk, then, you know, I could just kind of feel that we were, that he was genuine. And um, so it was really more so through conversation is how I, I looked at it, but yeah. Well, that's lovely. And and so he didn't do something corny or uh, try to show you his guns, right? Like he was just like, look at my, (laughs) look at my biceps, pick me, pick Mm -hmm. me. Now, when you get a whole, like when you, when you. I don't know what you do. You swipe or you click or you do something. And Uh does it start as a texting? I know this has nothing to do with diabetes, but does it start as texting? And then you decide (laughs) if you want to call? Um, so, so I'll be honest, the app was Tinder that we were on. So that's the one that people always joke, like swipe right on or left. And so you both have to swipe, right? I believe it's been forever, but, um, you both have to accept that. Oh, I like this person. Hopefully they'll say, I like you too. And, makes sense. Um, and then it sets up like this chat within the group in the text or sorry, the app. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, if the conversation goes, then you can either meet up or give them your number or, you know, it would be more of a competitive blood sport if not, if both people didn't have to agree, <laughs> it was just one, like I agree. And the other one's like, I don't, it's like too bad. You have to talk to me now. And then we start, <laughs> you got on the app. It's your fault. I mean, uh-huh. Some very strange conversations yeah. with people you don't like, but no, that's, that's really cool. How does that make it feel? Well, see, you're, I'm interested, honestly, because you're, you're in a very specific age range. That doesn't feel impersonal to you, right? That feels normal. To sorry, explain your question. Just again. to meet someone digitally doesn't seem impersonal to you. Is am I right to say that? I'm not saying mm. it is. I'm saying it doesn't strike you that way. Um, or did I it? had I had enough conversations on there that you can, of course, online is can be a scary world, but um, with you know with limits and um no i didn't feel like it was impersonal um i felt like i've had pretty good conversations through there but of course you know you have to be safe online no no yeah 100 percent. i just it's a very like understand that um when i was 19 18 19 20 years old like i had to go somewhere in public see a group of people choose a person mm-hmm. that I thought was attractive and then wander over to them to find out that they did not care for me in the least bit. Like that had mm-hmm. to happen right in front of them. They had to like, you had to watch someone's face go, Ooh, really? No. Why would you mm-hmm. think that I would? Oh, sorry. Excuse. Walk away. <laughs> right. Like that had to happen. And it had to happen to you a lot before, you know, some people would be like, yeah, cool. Let's, you know, 
I'll keep talking to you. Um, so anyway, I can remember yeah. anyone over a certain age that's listening right now is like, yeah, there's nothing quite like being uh, turned down face to face. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you, I've definitely had plenty of those, too. But um, I I started using the app when I came back home. Mm-hmm. Um, all my friends were still at college or, you know, out. they were out on their own LDS missions. And so there wasn't that at least from what I could find, wasn't really that dating group um, available to I me gotcha. when I was home. So, so yeah, but yeah, I much rather the in-person, but that's kind of just how it went. And, you know, I'm grateful for it. No, it's, it seems, I mean, obviously it worked out really well. It's, it's cool. I'm not judging it at all. I just, I, you know, I yeah. have no perspective on it. Listen, before we get back uh-huh. to diabetes stuff, there's another listener who's telling me I should live in Can. Knob, Utah, K-A-N-A-B. Uh-huh, Knab. Knab, is it a wonderful place? They're selling me pretty hard. So is it good? Um, Knab, yeah, yeah. Knab is beautiful. That's more um, of the southern Utah, too. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, Red Rock. It's definitely desert. But um, but then you can get to mountains, and it's beautiful. And honestly, I I do love Utah. Cause you can kind of get all sorts of different landscape from green lush mountains and lakes to, you know, Salt Lake city and to red rock down in Southern Utah. Yeah. I have to be, I'm looking for a place to retire where there's no humidity and it doesn't snow much. That's pretty much my goal. So, okay. but is it going to snow on me in Utah? In Northern Utah? Yes. When I was living, so I lived down in St. George for, college mm-hmm. and there was a little bit of snow but it i don't think we got more than a couple inches if that perfect but up in, yeah up in northern utah i'm definitely used to a foot or two yeah i don't want that snow. not good i'm not i'm not looking for that i uh it snows here and i don't need that when i'm old older yeah. older i'm already <laughs> you know what I mean? all right so um I, I, I seriously, I'm, I know I joked in the beginning, but seriously asking like, what are your plans? Are you, are you going to have a, a, a baby again soon? Or are you sticking with Owen for now? Or what, what's the play? We definitely want him to have siblings. Um, so really I kind of have a lot of pressure on myself right now. Cause I'm like, okay, I want to be a little bit more in shape and I want to get my A1C down as low as I can get. But uh, then again, um, that's kind of how I was before we had Owen and it's, it just, you know, you kind of just have to go for it and just trust that everything's going to be okay. And, um, cause being pregnant with type one was, it was kind of scary. Um, how, how so? Just, um, I've had multiple friends or people that I follow and they've had babies and they've been born early, Mm -hmm. um, like as like 32 weeks early and, um, and they've had conditions like heart conditions or they've, they've weighed like 10 pounds or more. And, and then the moms themselves have had issues with too much blood loss or. And this all stems from just not having that kind of low tight control that is recommended during pregnancy. 
I don't even want to say it's because of control. I think maybe there were some other kind of factors too, because I don't know all of their health history, but I do know that they're type one Mm. and, um, and really pregnancy just changes your body like crazy. Everything changes, but then to add type one in that blood sugar control and how much it actually does affect your baby during all of your trimesters, then that's where I'm like, okay, I want to give the best chance possible for our next baby. And I mean, we were, we were very blessed and had Owen. Um, he was two weeks early, but he was already eight pounds, 11 ounces. And, um, and that's partly why we had him early is because he was just getting more and more weight. And, um, and I had a lot of fluid and he had to get out, right? Like, unless you're going to create like a zipper pouch or something like that, there's, I mean, how much bigger mm-hmm. can he get before you're like, hey, you know what? Leave him in there uh, because <laughs> not looking for this problem. But, well, you know, it's funny yeah. because I really did just have this conversation yesterday with Jenny and we talked about three months. Like it, it, she said, I said to her, how, how, like how long before I plan on getting pregnant should I begin on this process if my blood sugar is not already where, you know, where a person wants it to be? And she's like, I got to say three months. Like you have to get down, get stable and be in a position where you're doing it on purpose and you're having results consistently Mm -hmm. that leave you in the range that you're looking for with pregnancy. And, you you know, she's like, you just, I mean, the, the, sort of the thing that both of us came up with is that it, you know, you obviously people get pregnant, not on purpose all the time. But if you're planning it, she was like, the first step is, you know, get your blood sugars where you want them in a way that are controllable, meaning that, you know, when you do something, your blood sugars react the way you intend. Not not like I got lucky and my blood sugar wasn't high today, but I did it on purpose. She's like, then you have to go find a good high risk doctor. And like, there was, there was a lot to think about, you know, um, and, and a lot of yeah, good reasons to think about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Will you use the same people you used last time? Like how was your experience with your physicians and everything? Oh, I loved, I loved my doctors. They were, they were great and they were, they worked well with each other too, which was probably the most I could ask for because my endocrinologist couldn't be in the hospital. He didn't have privileges there, but my endocrinologist is just amazing too because he, um, he texted me, he gave me his number and he's like, Hey, let me know when you're going to have the baby. And I'll text you, you know, what we need to do maybe with your settings. And he would look at my Dexcom reports just online every couple weeks and let me know if I need to change anything. And so, but then they also worked my OB and my endocrinologist and my high risk OB just worked so well together. It's nice. It's it's great when there's a good um, meshing between them. But you said your endo didn't have privileges in the hospital. So he was sort of like Cyrano. He was just kind of hiding in the bushes, yelling up to the window about what to do next. <laughs> <laughs> Make your basil higher. <laughs> did you wear your pump and your Dexcom during your delivery? Yeah, I did. And, you know, my labor was, it was horrible. They induced me and I was... Um, in labor for like 30 hours and then they finally said hey how about we do a c-section and i'm like thank you um <laughs> why didn't someone have this idea yesterday thank you right <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> exactly 
Um, but I think partly too, because I was a first time mom and I told them I wanted to try. Um, and you know, I was, we were so close, but it just, I, I had a big baby and I'm kind of a smaller, um, stature. And so he just was not going to come out, but, um, but yeah, I was able, even, uh, through the C-section, they let me keep my Dexcom and Omnipod on and my OB made a specific note to say, Hey, keep her Dexcom on the whole time she's in the hospital. Cause the nurses told me they'd have to come in every hour and poke my finger and check. And I'm like, Nope, here's my um, phone. Just tap the screen and you can look at my blood sugar. Please don't wake me up. Just look right there. <laughs> These are my last days to sleep. I, uh, I really don't want you to wake me up. <laughs> Use this thing right here. You can have my phone, read my text. I don't care. Just let me sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Especially uh, after that long labor, I was I was exhausted. Yeah. And so thankfully all of my nurses, everyone was just great. So it was a good experience other than the length, but it was good. That's excellent. Good for you. I mean, it's important for everybody. It really is because there's a lot of you have to be careful, I think. Um because you have to have a lot of different thoughts. Like you can't have you know, like your high risk uh, OB knows a lot about high risk doesn't necessarily mean they know a lot about diabetes and your endo knows a lot about diabetes, hopefully, but doesn't necessarily mean they know a lot about high risk pregnancy. And so you need everybody's, you know, everybody's input is uh, is very important in that situation for sure. Mm-hmm. Did it get tough yeah. at any point in the nine months? Did it feel long or was it difficult to keep your blood sugars where you wanted to? How did you find the actual process of doing it? Um, the first trimester felt like forever. Cause we wanted to wait until I got into that second trimester to really, to tell people, mm-hmm. cause you just never really know mm-hmm. how it's going to go. And, um, and it honestly felt like I kept having low blood sugars, um, in that first trimester. And I don't know if it's cause I was trying to overcompensate and I'm like, I wanted my sugars to be nice and low to make sure the baby was okay. Um, but then as I kept progressing, um, in the second trimester and the third, third was the hardest because just all those hormones, I was having to use almost triple the amount of insulin I was used to, um, to keep my blood sugars under range, but not uncommon. How did you find that the first time you did it? Were you prepared for that huge jump in insulin need, or was it tough to make that decision the first couple of times? Like I'm going to put this amount in. Mm-hmm. Well, thankfully my, well, I say my endocrinologist, but he's also a nurse practitioner, but he himself has type one. Mm. Um, and he was like, Hey, I have this insulin, um, the FIASP insulin right? and that just worked really well and uh, faster. Um, and that helped me to keep it under control as best as I could, but still I was using a lot. Um, so he was really I think between me being aware of it and trying to keep it under control and my um, endocrinologist being so good as well, then we both were able to work on it. But Yeah, you had a good group, it sounds like. Yeah. Nice. That's excellent. I mean, you must have been thrilled that it went well, right? Like, it, 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 were mm-hmm. you, was there worry? even though things were going pretty well, did you find yourself concerned or was there a moment where you just got comfortable and you're like, you know what, this is going okay. I don't have to, I don't have to worry at least. 
No, I was, and maybe it's first time mom anxiety too, but I was so worried, um, you know, about normal mom things too, like, oh, how am I going to stay up all night? Or, you know, how am I going to take care of the babe? But, um, but also how am I going to take care of the babe and keep my sugars under control? And with the kind of the perk of being a high risk pregnancy is you get a lot of ultrasounds. And so that was fun to be able to see him a lot. But then every ultrasound leading into the third trimester was like, oh, he is a really big baby. Oh, he's getting bigger. <laughs> he's getting bigger. I'm like, oh. My so vagina is not that big. What are we doing? <laughs> Let's stop now. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm like, um, how big is he going to be? And um, of course, Google is the worst thing for first time moms. Hmm. I I had a friend tell me, don't Google anything. Um, and then, of course, you know, you do a little bit. And because um, just trying to see how much are babies supposed to gain weight in that third trimester? Because it's like a half a pound almost every week in the last couple of weeks. And I'm like, oh, and he's already eight pounds. How how many more weeks can we go? What's the scariest thing you Googled while you were pregnant? The, the thing that you just really read and thought, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> um probably anytime um you look up like symptoms mm. um like this this was after pregnancy once I had Owen and I'm you know he just I think he was teething for the first time and I didn't know what was going on and he was having diarrhea and he was fevering and he was super whiny and so you look up all those symptoms and which I should know better because I work in a clinic but I'm like oh He's he has cancer, you know. It's ridiculous. No, I, yeah, I hear that. But, well, I just googled yeah. what happens to a vagina during childbirth, and let me just tell you, don't <laughs> no. Google that either. <laughs> <laughs> I could have told you that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like as I was typing, I was like, "Is this just for funny, or am I really not going to want to?" Oh goodness! And then I read the first thing, and I thought, "Yeah, no, I don't want to know any of that." Okay, that's enough. <laughs> um, now I hear you. There's listen. There's there's time to be informed and there's time to not worry yourself in diabetes and, and every other aspect, especially raising mm -hmm. kids. And I hear what you're saying, like the worry that you're just mm -hmm. going to mess it up in a myriad of ways is real. The pressure of mm -hmm. like, am I going to be a good parent? Like, I know I'm not going to be, but how is it? And then you start thinking, I'm going to mess something up. And, and I, mm -hmm. I have to tell you to get too existential for a second, but I, I feel like I'm a pretty good parent. But still, I know mm -hmm. that right now, today, or yesterday, or next week, or last month, I've done something that my kids or my wife don't enjoy. And I don't know what they mm -hmm. are, because I'm doing my very best, you know? And so, that even that's a weird pressure. Like, always thinking about, you know, I'm trying to help these people, or, or support them, love them, mm -hmm. and I wonder what I'm doing that they're just, like, privately in their minds thinking, idiot, get away from me. <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> You're completely doing this wrong. <laughs> My husband and I, the first week, um, once we had Owen home, he was like, he's alive. He's breathing. He was fed. Mm -hmm. We're doing fine. You know, there's not much more you can ask for. And um, as long as he's breathing and alive and loved, then there's not much else you can do each day. And honestly, that's kind of what got us by because those first um, really the first month or two with a newborn, it was hard. Mm. It was hard work, but 
of course I would say it's worth it. And of course, as we've been talking, it sounds like I'm going to do it again, but, um, we have no choice really, but I hear what you're saying. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when you say it got hard, what happens to you when you're trying to make space and time for other things, when you stop taking the same care of yourself? Because I, I lamented with Jenny yesterday that the thing that I worry about most for pregnant women is that as soon as something gets tough after the baby comes, the first thing they give away is their own health. Um, not recognizing in the moment, I think that keeping that that health where it's at will benefit so many other things. Um, mm-hmm. You probably should cut something else away than you know the concern for your own health. But um, but it happens to everybody, even people without diabetes. I've done it. You know, you don't sleep as much as you should in the pursuit of taking care of somebody else. Um, any number of other uh, other situations where people give away a little bit of who they are to to be there for someone else. But when it comes to diabetes, it feels very dire to me when I think about it. Um, but but what was the first thing that happened? Was it making meals that were good for you? Was it pre bolusing? Was it even just paying attention when your blood sugar was high. Cause if I can be honest with you for a second, not that I haven't been so far, but <laughs> the idea that your pump ran out of insulin while you were sleeping and that you did not spring up and change it. I guarantee you sounds like a different story to parents of type one diabetics than it does to adults who have type one diabetes. I bet you those two different groups of people heard that story two different ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah. it's, it's interesting for me to hear your perspective as a person mm-hmm. living with it. So I don't know what I just asked there, but I, I'm just very interested in how that happens. And if you know mm-hmm. what's happening while you're doing it, if you're like, oh, I'm giving up a little of myself here for somebody else, or is it not that conscious? Yeah. And just even kind of rehearing that too, out of your words, like, yeah, if that, if Owen was diabetic and he needed that insulin pump change. I would have done it right then and there. Yeah. So it it is interesting to think that way. Like I would care for my child right on the spot, but if it's for me, then it it does wait maybe an hour or two. And and you're a bright person and you're well educated and you care about your health and everything. What what happens in those two hours? Like like are you just like are you playing games on your phone or are you busy or like do you know what I mean? Like what's stopping you from going? Because I'm not a great time manager. But the one mm-hmm. thing that I do well is that I, I, I prioritize on the go. So I have mm-hmm. a way that I think of the things that are going to get done today or were even thought about. And as soon as something becomes more important than the other thing, I, I slide those things and change positions in my, in my mind. And I don't think twice about it. I'm like, okay, this is more important now. Now this moves here. But what happens mm-hmm. to you? What happens to you in that time? Um, I I would say that my family always would say that I I'm willing to give up um, a lot of things for other people. I I'm a caretaker. I will take care of somebody else first mm-hmm. because I know that I'm fine. In those two hours, I know okay, my sugar's a little higher, but I'm okay. Um, and you know, I'm up and moving. I'm trying to you know get things ready for the morning and trying to get my baby cleaned and dressed and fed. And, but I knew, even though, um, I knew I needed to get a new insulin pump on, like I knew that I was fine. 
um, at least for the time being. I knew I'm not I'm not going to leave the house without getting my insulin pump on because that is a priority before I leave because I want, you know, I want that insulin or I want like extra snacks or um, something to bring my sugar up because I want to be prepared that way. Mm. But I, I'm a mom. And so I'm taking care of my house and my family first. And, um, and you know, I knew that I would get to it. Um, and I knew I'd have time to sit down and get to it, but I just, um, I'm not coming down. I hope you realize like, I'm not judging you. I'm really just interested because I hope you can feel that. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah, no, I get it. Good, good, good. Yeah. I, I, listen, I hear what you're saying. I had the sprinklers on the other day and I only wanted to leave it on for 30 minutes. And I was like, huh, I don't feel like going back outside. And I could feel (laughs) the money like leaving my pocket and you know, it's not health, but it was still, I was just like, eh. What is this going to cost me five more dollars not to get up right now and turn off that thing? Maybe I don't know. Um, it, uh, yeah, I was tired. Uh, yeah. And and I do think if it was my own health, I would react differently than I do about Arden's. And I don't even know what that says. Like I, I would die. You know, I would consider myself a, a person who has a caregiver's mentality as well. Um, but I would tell you that over the years, it's become evident to me that there were some things I gave away that I didn't have to give as much of it away. There would have been a way for me to manage other people's needs and mine better. It didn't have to be, it was, it didn't have to be an all or nothing scenario mm-hmm. that that's, yeah. I, I think if I were to give you one piece of advice, I would tell you, I don't think it's an all or nothing the way you're thinking about it. That's all there. That's what yeah. I got out of the extra 20 years I've lived than you have. So, <laughs> You would think I would have learned more than that in 20 years, but that's pretty much all I have, just so you know. Uh, Oh, well, thank you. No, seriously. Yeah, it is something. Of course, you know, we're always trying to progress and improve. And, um, but yeah, I think slowly but surely I'm learning and learning to, to delegate and say, Hey, you know, Chris, can you, can you feed Owen? Cause I need to, you know, eat something or I need to change my insulin pump. So, so yeah, there's, you know, it's, it's kind of even almost the same mentality of when, um, we had Owen as a newborn, like, Hey, we're alive, we're breathing, we're doing okay. It's kind of almost sometimes how I feel like with diabetes, like, Hey, I, I got my sugars, you know, pretty well controlled today. I ate today, so we're good. But, but you know, each day has its own struggles. I cannot say that I don't understand what you're saying. I want you to know that other people listening are really impressed and probably just hanging on now through the the end of the hour because they're like, Scott didn't even ask her about her magic underwear at all, <clears throat> which is something, <laughs> excuse me, which is something that I, I have. I, you know, it's funny. My wife doesn't listen to, the, to my podcast or me, in case you're wondering. And uh, <laughs> we were talking the other day and I said, I have somebody coming on, you know, tomorrow that I'm going to interview. She's younger. She's a kid. And I, she asked how old you were. And I told her and she goes, oh, that's that's not, you know, we were young like that. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, she's a Mormon. They, she's got to get going. She needs like 20 more kids. And she goes, really? And I said, yeah. I said, I said, a lot of people who are in the Mormon religion end up on the podcast. My wife goes, really? And I was like, yeah. She goes, why? And I'm like, I, I, I said, I couldn't begin to tell you. I, I ask every one of them and they don't seem to know. Um, and so we started, we were talking about it for a minute and she's just like, that's, 
really interesting. I said, yeah. I said, I learn a lot of things I don't, you know, I wouldn't normally know. I said, you know, I said, I, I ask every one of them about their magic underwear. And now my wife's face turns blank because she does not know what I'm talking about and is probably 100% sure I'm thinking when I'm looking at her that if there is such a thing, I'm mischaracterizing it or giving it a name that is completely consulting to other people. And she's like, you do not say that to other people. And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? I said, first of all, people who uh, are involved in the Mormon religion have better underwear than we do. That's just a fact. And secondly, I think it's magical. I can't say for sure, but I've heard stories. And so why would I not ask people? And my wife goes real serious. She goes, why would you ask them? That's the wrong thing to ask them. And I said, I think you and I have a very different idea of what these podcasts should be about. And she's like, obviously. I was like, anyway. That's all. Oh, is it comfy? That's fantastic. It looks comfy. Is it comfy? Are you wearing it now? Tell me, please. Yes, of course. I wear it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously I have different pairs, you know, just like I hope everyone does. <laughs> You're not wearing the same pair every day? Well, thank goodness. That's excellent. <laughs> Let's clarify that. When do you get it? When you're married? You don't have it before, right? Um. Well, it depends on each person. Okay. In our religion. So if you see um, like our temples, there's a process called the endowment. And so we get to go to the temple and we get to, that's when we get to get our garments and we make promises um, to our heavenly father and in exchange, and he gives you underwear. Of, That's lovely. I mean, well, well, you yeah, get a, you get a real tangible thing to do, take with your life. In other religions, they give you like flowers or, you know, they'll rub some like schmutz on your forehead or something like that. You can't do anything with that. Everyone needs underwear. And, and <laughs> what, what it's called, they're called, gar- you refer to them as garments though. Is that right? Yes, okay. they are garments. And, and we do wear them every day. Of course, you know, if we're going to go swimming or something, then we don't wear them. But or, you know, any activity, like if I'm going to go, like sometimes we go out mudding, like in our trucks or something, mm-hmm. then, you know, I don't want to get them dirty. But if I, if there's a time and place to wear them, then I wear them. Nice. Um, but we do wear them because, you know, rather than flowers or something, because it is supposed to help us remember those promises that we made. And so it's, it's kind of like... Uh, you know, you have a special, like your wedding ring to remember, you know, your marriage and all of that. And so it's, it's basically like that. And, and I'm probably, you know, butchering exactly the right. You're not, you're not, a, you're not a spokesperson right. for the, the church. I'm, I'm just getting your opinion. Here's what I'm thinking while you're talking. They made it underwear so that when you were thinking of having sex with a boy, it would be the last thing you saw before you were naked. You'd be like, oh, I did make some promises. They would just want to <laughs> remind you of those promises right before, you know, your boobs are out. I think is exactly what this was about for boys' penis. But you understand what I'm saying. Um, yeah. I, I do have one question, and this is going to um, need you to infer into my stupidity. Why do I think they're magical? What did I hear once that makes me say that? Or do hmm. you have no idea? <laughs> Well, you know, I've heard stories, but of course it's, it's stories and I don't, I don't know the truth to them because I don't know one, like someone specific to me with a story, but I've had, I've heard stories that people, you know, oh, I was riding my motorcycle and I fell, I got in a crash and I fell off, but everywhere else got skinned up, but where I was wearing my 
garments. And I'm like, oh, where you can say, cause we're, we're told, you know, we wear them to be protected because we, um, you know, we made promises and we, and to have faith and, but it's, I almost, I look at it more as to remember what I've promised, not as a protection mm-hmm. necessarily, but, um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're magical, but I would say, you know, they, they help me keep the kind of mindset I want to have. That makes sense. And listen, I've Googled magic underwear while we were talking and interesting <laughs> no. te- temple garments come right up, but here's what I've learned. And I'm going to be serious. Um, okay. there's Wikipedia stuff, but then there's also, you know, um, there's some people saying, look, please don't call it magic underwear. It's insulting. And I was like, oh, damn. All right. Well, it's too late now. We've already recorded my voice saying that uh, and and going on. But it, it did come back to it. I'm not the only person who's ever said this out loud, obviously, because it, 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 I got enough returns. I also got a couple of lovely pictures of G-strings and uh, something called the oh. Shape Mint emptitude all day every day high-waisted waistband which i don't think is mormon um <laughs> but the girl does look kind of magical in them uh so, and but uh, it, it's a, uh, it, you know it, it's just really i don't know like i find it fascinating and not in a way that i'm i, I really probably shouldn't be joking around because i don't feel jokey about it it really is just something i don't understand and I'm always looking. At, and by the way, I've asked six people now, and six different people have said six different things. So I'm just saying, I need to find out, and this is it. I'm yeah. just this is my only way to find out. Um, my wife, of course, if she could hear me right now, would be like, "Leave that woman alone. Why are you <laughs> bothering?" Well, her? I will. I will tell you this because you know, I think you know it is up to each interpretation, but. Um, if you if you want to really know like the church's stance on, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I should have a better a better verbiage for you about it. But you're busy. You got a little kid and you got diabetes. <laughs> Don't put that on yourself. Seriously, am I making you feel bad about this? Let's stop talking no, about. It. Okay. No, right. I'm just like I should know better because, but I do. I, anyways, what I'm trying to say is the church. Um, you know, their website, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, does have a cool little video. Um, that really does show the garments and explains what they are. So, I mean, if you, if somebody's really curious, right. we have a video about it. They're not secret. They're not secret. Well, I didn't think they were secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing I've heard from people is like, oh, it's, there's things that are secret. I'm like, no. You don't no, t- you're you not telling anybody a- about them? No. It's not a, no. it's not a yarmulke. Everybody somebody- can't see it, but still it's, you know. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm not going to tell somebody what color of underwear I'm wearing, you know, just if I wasn't wearing garments, you know, it's just it would be private. Yeah. There's nothing to say there. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Listen, we've learned <laughs> a lot and nothing. And that makes this a perfect podcast episode. Um, it, it really does. I, I, I want to make sure, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you were hoping to talk about? Because I'm, you know, a babbling lunatic. So sometimes it's not, I, I'm not very good at getting through things, but anything at all. No, I feel like that's a pretty good, pretty good explanation of diabetes and and me and kind of yeah, it's just day to day. Cool. But no, I, I I appreciate that. I feel like here's what we learned. If I were to sum up this episode, <clears throat> uh, you found out you were type one when you were eighteen. 
They thought it was type 2 for about a year. You took metformin, figured it out. Wasn't that much of a relief because it felt more like, oh, wow, this is not something I can really impact and make go away. Uh, you met a boy on Tinder. He said something <laughs> nice that made you think he wasn't just a muscle head. Then you gave him your baby maker and you're working on it now. You got one going, probably 10 or 12 more coming. Your, un <laughs> your underwear is not magical. But hey, if you fall and don't get scratched underneath it, what's it hurt to say if it is? And um, <laughs> diabetes is difficult while you're pregnant. It's difficult while you're raising a baby. Uh, but you're trying to get things in better order for yourself so you can be a mom for your children for a long time. How'd I do? You know, that pretty sums up our conversation. I feel like I did it. Are you right now yeah. thinking like, I can't believe he was listening? Because it seems like he's... <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, when you say it all like that i'm like oh that's really what we all talked about that's <laughs> well and by the way we'll leave this part in for people who always ask me how come the episodes uh, titles aren't about what it was about so you tell me what should i have, what should i title this episode <laughs> um i know why you laugh because wanted... you just thought magic underwear is that why you laugh that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> what i thought i'm like oh that would be good but no no it's not, um, it's, well, because um, when I first contacted you, I I was trying to start kind of a blog of my own, which then I realized being a mom with a little kid and working through COVID, it's that didn't work maybe out. not time. Yeah. No, no, time is short, but, um, but I'm a Latter-day diabetic and that's, that's who I am. Latter-day Diabetic is probably going to be the name of the episode. That was very good. That's it. Is it. But now, of course, you have to understand now that in my moronacy, I'm like, ladder with D's or T's? I'll figure it out later. <laughs> <laughs> ladder, T's, but yeah. But yeah, so yeah, it was great. Um, no, thank you very much. Hey, if I come to Utah, are my politics so like, they will they like just push me back out of the state or is there a force field that i'll run into for having no like being liberal or anything like that or no right now all the you know, all the really um, conservative people we, listening are like that guy's not of i'm sorry you have plenty of what <laughs> i was just gonna say the more and more people i see move in are actually from california Ooh. and there's this like ongoing joke um of people moving in and they're like Utah and they have like the shape of Wyoming. They're like, move to Utah. And they're trying to push them over to Wyoming. <laughs> all right, hippies. I'm on the way. Don't worry about it. I'll come. We'll balance this all up. It's so funny because when we're just now, when I was talking, I thought there are probably, I don't, I never think about the political leanings of people listening to the show. I have no concern about it and I don't care. And I do mm -hmm. think that if you listen to me, I don't probably feel very liberal. And it's funny, I'm not, but I really am. And so mm -hmm. I'm very liberal about some things. And I wouldn't call myself conservative about anything, but I have more conservative ideas about things that you wouldn't expect, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people can, you know, talk about themselves and probably feel like the, the idea of like, I'm really kind of down the middle on most, you know, stuff overall. Um but yeah, I get worried about that sometimes. Like I'm like, if I go there, will they just can they see it on me or will they can they smell it? Or they'll be no. like, Hey, that guy probably voted for a Democrat once. We gotta get rid of That's... him. Not you know, like and then I find myself like in some desert in Utah being eaten by snakes. By the way, are there snakes there that are poisonous? 
Um, we got rattlesnakes. I can't. So yes. I'm sorry. I thought this was going to be a real <laughs> idea, but I see now it can't, and I'm out. Bears, rattlesnakes, uh, humidity, snow. These are things I need to avoid. Um, I'm delicate. <laughs> yeah, we don't have humidity here, so you won't get that. But we do got bears and mountain lions, and so I gotta have a gun, like just to walk outside at night. Um, it helps sometimes yeah. when you're in the mountains, but. But yeah. All right. I'd have, to, I'd have to figure out how to shoot a gun first then. Uh, there's a lot to do. <laughs> you come to Utah, I'll teach you how to shoot a gun. Well, yeah. That's a nice, that that's lovely. I'm going to make sure your blood sugar's yeah. nice and stable first. Though. I don't want you out there at 350 showing me how to shoot a gun. I'll be, I'll be like, Adrian, how long has that pod been on? It's been on the whole time, has it, before we start? <laughs> how do you feel, by the way, after an hour? Did you get your blood sugar back down? You feeling better? Um. You know, my blood sugar is still a little higher than I want it, but, you know, it does feel good to, I can always feel, people always ask me, like, how do you feel when your sugar is high? And I'm like, there's not really a good answer for that. But the best way that I feel is like that sour stomach kind of feeling and, you know, Nauseous. maybe just not, yeah, that, yeah. yeah, and just not completely in my head, like kind of that foggy feeling, but. Mm-hmm. Well, Listen, here's a practical idea for you that I use. Um, when it, I didn't bring it up at the time because we didn't know each other well enough an hour ago, but now I feel like I've seen your underwear, so we're good. And um, <laughs> I I would have put on Don't that. Don't say it like that. <laughs> well, seen, you know, by understanding the greater picture, you understand what I'm saying. I, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways. Yeah, you, now you made me embarrassed. I can't even think. Uh, Hold on. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say is I would have slapped that pod on and I would have like doubled the basil for Arden for like an hour right away mm-hmm. and, and bolused a correction for the number and maybe like even a little more. Like I would have crushed it like because a new insulin pump site sometimes is not as, um, you know, effective as it as it will be in an hour or two or a day. Um, so I, I kind of push more insulin in that scenario, especially with the number in the 300s, I would have pushed hard and drinking water. You should be hydrating to get that out of you. And you're mm-hmm. an adult and don't need me to tell you any of that, but that's the things that like I would have done for the people listening. No, I guess, thank you. Yeah, please. All right, listen, this has to stop or you and I are going to strike up some torrid <laughs> online affair. And we already know we can, you can be had through an app. So I don't want to ruin your, your, relationship oh or mine or anything like that it's very nice it's very much to may december too being that you're basically a child and i'm almost a senior citizen so uh <laughs> i really appreciate you coming on and doing this i i genuinely do a huge thanks to adriana for coming on the show and adding to that ever-growing list of mormons that have been on the juice box podcast If you'd like to be on the podcast and you think you have a great story to tell, reach out. Find me, scott at juiceboxpodcast.com. And if you're a Mormon and you know why this show is so popular in Utah and within your community, please, I want to know. Thanks so much to Dexcom, Omnipod, and Touched by Type 1 for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Get yourself a free, no-obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump at myomnipod.com forward slash juice box and check out that Dexcom at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. If you can't remember that, there are links in your show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com.
And don't forget Touched by Type 1 at touchedbytype1.org or on your social medias, Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. Be back soon with the next episode of the Juice Box Podcast. I genuinely appreciate you listening. I love it when you tell somebody else about the show. Please subscribe in an app. And what else? Oh, if you're really into management stuff, check out the private Facebook page, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. And if you just want to keep up with the show on Facebook, it's Bold with Insulin. And of course, I'm on Instagram at Juicebox Podcast. I feel like I'm on a roll, so if you're looking for those Diabetes Pro Tip episodes, they're right there in your podcast player. They begin at episode 210, or you can find them at DiabetesProTip.com. Looking for Defining Diabetes? They're in your app as well. Just search Defining Diabetes. They'll all pop up. And if they don't, you can find them at JuiceBoxPodcast.com too. All right, that's it. Uh, It's the beginning of the year. I'm super excited for Season 7 to be going on. I hope you're enjoying it. It's going to be great. Why would I say otherwise? Can you imagine if I was like, oh, Season 7, train wreck. It's on the way, people. Stay, stay. But it's not. I got good stuff coming. You want to know what? All right. Mm, no, I'm not doing that. Although I am looking right now at the at the next three episodes, and they got goodness written all over them. You want like a sneak peek? Hmm. Maybe. Maybe will I? Won't I? All right. One little tease. You know how we always have adults on who are like, I was diagnosed with type two diabetes, and it turned out I was type one. You know, and they're like 25 and 28 and everything. Soon, someone's coming on who was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and had type 2 diabetes. Have some stuff coming up about a service dog with Esther. And Jaden's going to be on the show very soon. Jaden's a young man who I just recorded with. And his episode is terrific. I can't wait for you to... I'm going to give you that one next week. How about next week we do Jaden and the service dog episode? Or do we want to do the type two? I don't know. I'll figure it out. See ya. I'm still here. I didn't go anywhere. The hours mean nothing anymore. Days are blending together. I don't even care what time it is. Stuck in my house. There's nothing to do. The whole world's upside down. All right. That was a bummer. Should we do something fun at the end? Why don't we make fart noises together? I'll count to three, and then we'll all make a fart noise. So wherever you are right now, if you're in the grocery store or your kitchen or driving in your car, I don't care. Now, just lick the palm of your hand. Like, if you're in the grocery store, maybe don't lick the palm of your hand. Just, but, I mean, you know what? Live dangerously. So you're going to lick the palm of your hand, and then just press it up against your mouth, and it only works with, really, you need two hands. Hold on a second. I tried it with one hand. That did not work. I'm going again. If you did that, um, seek mental health counseling. You really shouldn't be listening that closely to a guy on a podcast. Although, if you did it, you're my people. <laughs>